1: David Hunt is the president and chief executive officer over at PGM, which recently boosted its private alternatives business. David, great to have you here in the studio. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be back. I think the last few times we've spoken, we've spoken a lot about private markets because, quite frankly, that seems to be what clients are interested in right now. How has that evolved in terms of what specifically they're asking for?
2: You know, it really has changed a lot, Romain, in the the last year or two. Um, I would say that uh, we've had a bit of a front row seat at this. I mean, we're at $300 billion in AUM, AUA. We're probably one of the largest private alternative managers. But our footprint is a bit different in that we didn't start with private equity. We really started with real estate and much more of a bent toward uh, private uh, credit. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's been what's grown really quickly uh, for us. It's been real estate debt, to some extent, infrastructure, Mm -hmm. and some of the more specialized forms of debt, including private uh, private credit. And and what people I think don't Mm -hmm. appreciate is that this is uh, not just a short-term phenomena. This is a change in how the economy is being financed. Mm -hmm. If you go back 10 years, banks did all of this. Banks did lending to middle markets. Banks did infrastructure. Banks did project finance. Mm -hmm. They aren't putting money into these markets. And so institutional investors are stepping in and doing that and it's being architected by, uh, by asset managers such as ourselves.
1: But as, as sort of more clients become interested in this, of course, you have to come up with ideas for new ways to invest this money, new products, if you will. We were speaking a little bit earlier with Edwin Conway, who heads uh, uh, one of BlackRock's main divisions, and he kind of made the point, you know, I mean, as I'm sure you know, alternatives in the old days was just that. It was real estate, <laughs> commodities, and that was about right, it. Right. And now it's just so vast. And I know PJM is now exploring new businesses, including something like reinsurance.
2: No, the alternatives uh, definition really yeah. is uh, much broader, and I think that if you look out five to seven years at an institutional uh, investor's portfolio, mm-hmm. you're going to see a higher proportion in privates. You're going to see a higher proportion in privates that are debt oriented, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to see, I think, fundamentally much more variety uh, in the types of uh, in the types of strategies. So let's take the one that you mentioned, which I think is a great example, which is uh, you know reinsurance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So obviously. PGM owned by Prudential, we, we have benefited from an insurance you know, company, an for insurance a, company. Yeah, We've benefited yeah. from being able mm-hmm. to invest with liabil- insurance liabilities backing that for 50 years.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know in the last 10 years, a number of the private equity firms and others have sort of figured out this magic a little bit to mm-hmm. get in. And so what we did announce last week was uh, a big step forward and a new platform that we're developing together with Warburg Pincus Mm -hmm. to make reinsurance much more available to institutional investors.
0: So they have another option, in other words.
2: They do, and what, what's important, I think, about this uh, this reinsurance announcement that uh, that we made is that it's not just a transaction. We actually announced a platform. Mm. So while the transaction was the reinsurance of some, some prudential liabilities, um, this is set up so that we can do many more types of those transactions, and we can do other third-party insurance companies. So while I'm delighted at the 10 billion in assets to be able to manage in that, this will, over the foreseeable future, grow to multiples of that as we get more and more reinsurance uh, assets in and this is a powerful growth driv- driver for PGM because um, you know two of our big growth areas one is this private alternatives we've talked about this fuels a lot of that mm-hmm. and solutions more and more clients are looking for ways that they can actually use multi asset class to drive uh, returns and diversification and this is exactly what they're looking for
0: okay multi asset classes driving returns your clients- want increased allocations to private assets, private credit in your case. What is this increase coming at the expense of? What are they making room in their portfolio? What are they not buying? What are they not spending money on or putting money into in order to make room for private credit?
2: You know, it's a great it's a great question. And I think there's a, there's a longer term answer and a shorter term answer to that. Because right now, we're in this kind of strange period where many of our clients have obviously had all of their public uh, securities marked down a lot as interest rates rose very rapidly. Their privates didn't come down so much, um, and we can argue about the legitimacy of that, but in any event, they didn't. So they have uh, this problem where right now on their asset allocation, they're over allocated to privates. So they've got to work themselves out of that a bit. In the very near term, they've actually taken money in the last two years out of public fixed income to fund a bunch of this. That is about to change. Um, And I think the the real bellwether for this is when we have assurance that the Fed has topped out and is beginning to move down. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, we're going to see an enormous shift back uh, into public fixed income. And then where's the liquidity going to come from? Equities. Hmm. Public equities have been in outflows among institutional investors for quite a long
1: time, particularly active, hmm. and I think that that probably ca- continues. So, well, when we talk, if that, does, is that, if that ends up being true, is that because of the return differential? Is it because of the risk differential? What? It's, it's all of the
2: above. I okay. mean, I think it's partly that it's uh, easier to, to have real alpha in the private markets. Mm-hmm. Um, many public uh, equity managers you know, net of fees have struggled to beat index funds, Yeah. Um, and they've run too close to the benchmark. And so in our strategies, we run, you know, much higher concentration pieces and don't have that problem, mm-hmm. but the industry overall has. Yeah. So you've got better returns after after uh, fees, right? and you've got better diversification because the private markets operate on a different cycle.
1: Yeah. Well, you talk about the idea that, of course, when we get a sense of that, the, the Fed has sort of uh, ended its uh, rate hiking cycle, that that maybe ends. Being the inflection point, I have to ask you about some of the economic data we've gotten. I, I, I mean, what do you make of it? Because I can look at that economic data and say, yeah, the Fed probably is done. I can look at that same economic data and make a case that the Fed is going to do more. Yeah, it's uh, it's
2: very hard yeah. to know uh, exactly when we've we've hit that. I think we can say for with some surety that they are a lot closer to the top. Um, Whether well, we can completely call, so. it or, or, yeah. call it or call it or not, I don't I don't know. No. But I think that the piece that the markets have wrong mm. is that I. I think there's this view that somehow the Fed will kind of somewhat rapidly begin to come down. And our view is the economy is stronger than most people think, at least in the U.S. We can talk about some other. But in the U.S. it's stronger, the labor market is stronger, and that means that rates are going to stay higher for longer than the markets currently priced in. At least that's how we're positioned at the moment.
0: And with rates staying higher for longer, the dollar continuing to stay strong, what does that mean for the appeal of U.S. assets, whether it's in public markets or private markets from overseas? You travel the world, you talk to clients all over the world, what are they telling you?
2: They're saying that, she, uh, David, uh, talk to us about the hedging costs because they believe that the US is going to outperform uh, in terms of the kind of local currency uh, alpha that they can create. But the dollar has been very strong. And so for the most part, they are hedging it back into euros or yen. And uh, when those costs get very expensive, this whole trade uh, really comes under uh, under some scrutiny. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, they're able to hedge that. And we are seeing many of our clients overweight to the US at the moment.
0: You said earlier that uh, investors are making, way, making room in their portfolios for private assets uh, by not being in, say, public fixed income markets now and down the road, maybe public equities. The thing about public markets is they're liquid. What is your confidence that private assets, private credit will be liquid when investors need them to be?
2: So liquidity is, I think, one of the most important issues in in all of that, because of course these these uh, markets are not liquid, and indeed part of the reason you're getting a spread over publics is you're getting paid for that for that illiquidity, mm-hmm. and I think that people need to construct their portfolios knowing that that is true, and knowing that they won't be able to immediately get liquidity on that. Now I will say that over time there are ways of mitigating that, and one of the best examples of that is um, you know the secondaries market. So you know, for many years, if you were in private equity and others, you were kind of in there for the duration. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a private equity secondaries business that's actually extremely busy right now because clearly a lot of people are saying, I have a, too much private equity, but I don't have enough money to allocate to new private equity. What's the solution to that? The secondaries market. Mm-hmm. And so we will see these become more liquid over time as other secondary markets grow up in real estate and in private credit.
1: I am curious, uh, looking forward here, David, what's the big- risk that you are keeping your eye on right now?
2: Well, I think that whenever you get in a situation like this, where debt has grown uh, pretty dramatically over the last five or six years, mm-hmm. and even before that and before COVID, you saw pretty big rises and, and the kind of search for yield. So we're keeping our eye really clearly on areas where there's a lot of leverage. You know, we are watching the CLO market closely. We are watching some of the private equity firms that have actually levered up. You know, at the fund level as well as at the individual level. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking very closely at the bank loan market. So there are clearly areas where there's been a lot of of, of leverage put in. And I think we all need to be a bit uh, bit careful in those areas.
0: We always appreciate your candor. David, David Hunt is CEO and president of PGM.
1: Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you.